born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Let me just have you look at Psalms 132, 132nd Psalm. There in the Old Testament, there is one psalm that I really like quite well. And if you look there, 132nd Psalm, it's talking about some of the promises that God made to King David, about David, and of the fruit of his loins. See there in verse 10, For thy servant David's sake, Turn not away the face of thine anointed. Now look in verse 11. The Lord hath sworn in truth unto David, he will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. L-O-R-D is caps. A reference to Jehovah. God. I, through the fruit of David's loins, I will set upon thy throne. Jesus Christ is the Lord. So they were going to the Old Testament and showing him, or the people, that Jesus Christ was who he claimed to be. Now, take your Bible and look there in the book of Luke in chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, written by Luke, is also the one that God used to write the book of Acts and was on the missionary journey with him. So in the book of Luke and chapter 24, I want you to look there in verse 25. When Jesus came back from the dead and was walking down the road, He says to two individuals in verse 25, Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things, and to enter into his glory. And then look at this verse. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Wouldn't you have loved to have been in on that conversation? Once in a while, we study the Old Testament. We find a little verse here and a little verse here. We call it the Messianic Psalms and so on. I wonder just how much we have passed over because 
we didn't see. Oh, I didn't know that verse referred to. I didn't know that. Boy, wouldn't it have been wonderful to have let Jesus Christ teach us like they were shown. And look what else he says. Look there in verse 44. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. He just put his whole stamp of approval upon the whole Old Testament. He did not say anything about the Apocrypha books, the Homologumala books, the Pseudepigrapha books, all those books in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Didn't say anything about the Maccabees, didn't say anything about their writings, nothing like that. He only spoke about these three books, and that's the Old Testament that we have today. So I believe that those books, all of them, every prophet had something to say about the Lord. We just haven't seen it all. When we get to heaven, it's going to be interesting when he opens our eyes and we really see the scriptures. We are just scratching the surface. There's deep things in the word of God that we haven't even touched. Now go back over there to the book of Acts in chapter 17. And you'll notice that he was explaining to them that the Jesus he preached was the Christ spoken of in the Old Testament. And because of that, and look in verse 4, and some of them, and you ought to underline that word, believed. He explained it, they saw it, they believed it. That's what he's after. Getting people to believe. Look what else. And consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude. And of the chief women, not a few. It means there was a lot of people in this town that believed on the Lord. They were ready. They accepted it. Of course, not everybody. There's always somebody that wants to, uh, you know, spoil the party. And whenever you win somebody to the Lord, there'll be somebody that doesn't. And somebody that will compliment you, somebody else will want to rip you to shreds. So he says in verse 5, But the Jews, and get this, which believed not. So it's always this issue about believers and unbelievers. Even in John three eighteen, He that believeth hath everlasting life. He that believeth not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. It's always about he that believes and he that does not believe. So, when you preach, there's people who are going to believe and not believe. Did you know that after you trusted Christ as your Savior, it is still the issue of whether or not you believe what God says about serving Him or not believing it? That it will be worth it and you believe it or it won't be worth it? And you don't do it. Or that you should tell people how to have eternal life. Some of you will believe it. Some of you won't believe it. God's word will tell you to do many things. Some you'll pick and choose and say, well, I believe that, but I don't believe that. I believe that and don't believe. Like going to a restaurant. Oh, I like this. I think I'll get some of this. I, I like this. I don't like that. I don't like that. 
The Word of God is not supposed to be what we just pick and choose. You should be willing to follow truth, regardless of where it may lead you. So he says here in verse 5, But the Jews which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort. I guess they had class warfare back in those days. I'm not real sure. And uh, they were known as rabble-rousers. And so um, they were vile individuals. Uh, the, the low cut. Did you know that there's people today that utilize the ignorance of others to accomplish their will? Now let me tell you this. This is a little side issue, but it's all right. No charge extra. You know this crowd called the Occupy Wall Street? To me, they are of the baser sort. Now, I mean it's in a good way, but the truth. They're being manipulated to do what somebody else wants them to do. They're only using them. They don't care about those people. I don't believe that most politicians care anything about the poor. Because if they really loved the poor, they wouldn't try to keep making more of them. Well, anyway, I like every once in a while to express myself. So here he makes the statement that they were going to cause a small stir. And so they got certain people to do their dirty work for them. Gathered a company, set all the city on an uproar. Now remember, it was not God's people that caused the problem, that caused the uproar. It's the unbelievers that did this. They simply presented the gospel. They didn't beat up nobody. They didn't try to overthrow the government. Even though they convinced the people that this was the goal. Because they said they preached about another King Jesus. And we believe there's only one King, and that's Caesar. So now you've got a problem. But it says in verse 6, And when they found them not, because they had gone to the house of Jason, who evidently was the one that was um, providing the fellowship, and maybe a place to stay. They were maybe staying at his house. And to, um, they assaulted his house and brought him out to the people. In verse 6, And when they found them not, because they were looking for Paul and Silas, and they couldn't find them, evidently they had hid them somewhere. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, and you ought to underline this statement in your Bible. Isn't it a wonderful statement? I think it's an awesome statement. These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. You see, they had turned it upside down, and we're just simply trying to turn it right back up. But to know that you've turned a place upside down, that means you didn't leave it the way you found it. I believe God's people ought to cause a revival or a revolt. Somewhere along the line, something ought to happen. In verse 7, whom Jason had received, and these all do contrary to the degrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. Now, yes, Jesus is king, but he had made the statement, if my kingdom was of this world, then would my servants fight. But he was talking about a different kingdom, and that was before he died on the cross. 
So I don't believe that Paul was trying to stir the people up to overthrow Rome. Because you see, Jesus can rule in the hearts of an individual. He has a kingdom. I am part of his kingdom. I have been translated, according to the book of Colossians, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Therefore, I want light, truth, to rule me and do what I do because I believe it's the right thing to do. But anyway, verse 8, and they troubled the city. They troubled the people. They caused the trouble. They caused the uproar and blaming it on somebody else. So he says in verse 8, And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things, and when they had taken security of Jason and of the others, they let them go. In other words, they had to stand good. They're not here. They're not seditionists. They're not trying to overthrow the government. And they got assurance from Jason, and they let him go. Well, what about Paul and Silas? What in the world happened to them? Look in verse 10. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas in the middle of the day. <laughs> no, at night. Remember, the Lord says, if they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. Flee to the next. Flee. Leave them alone. Go someplace else. Now, I really don't like the idea of running. I don't like the idea of somebody telling me I can't do something. I have a rebellious nature. I'm, you're not like that, but I am like that. But for the cause of Christ, for the sake of the gospel, you may do what has to be done. Because you want to live to fight another day to get down the road and preach somebody. So they went about 50 miles until they came to Berea. See in verse 10? And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas. So that means they knew where they were. They had them. They sent them away. When? Immediately. By night under Berea. Have you ever heard of the what they call the Berean church? Berea, where you get the word Berean, is because, see, they were a little bit different than the Thessalonians. Uh, the Bereans searched the scriptures daily to see if what Paul had said was true and reasoned with them. See there in verse 10, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. So as soon as they got there, they went to another synagogue. These were, and you ought to underline these two words, more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. And you ought to underline these words. Searched the scriptures. They didn't just take Paul's word for it. It says they searched the scriptures to see if what he was saying was the truth. They did not blindly follow. They wanted to know the truth. And it says they were noble because of that. Whether these things were so. In verse 12, therefore, because they searched the scriptures to see if these things were true, it makes this statement. Therefore, many of them, and here's the word, believed. Haven't you noticed that? Whether it was Peter or whether it was Paul, this is what it's about. 
The book of Acts is a soul winner's manual. It tells you experiences that you will go through. And some people are really going to listen to what you're saying and study. Some people are just listening to you and trust the Lord right off the bat, and you don't have to show them anything. But not everybody. And then there's going to be somebody that's going to cause a problem and try to stir things up. This book that I'm writing on the Door Lake story, I wish I could just read it all to you and let you see some of the battle that took place. It'll blow your mind. I didn't understand it fully until recently when I got out the notes and started reading it. I kind of forgot about it. Or I didn't even know about it because I had never read some of the stuff. But it's awesome. I'll sit there and I'll read some of the letters and I'll start crying because I can't believe what took place and what they did. It's just like reading the book of Acts. But I was so young back then that I didn't even stop to think about anything like that. And yet it was happening in my own life, right in front of me. And I did not perceive it. I was, I guess, blind a little bit. Or never thought about it. I guess now I'm getting old and sentimental. But anyway, I can't wait to get it done. But look what he says here. In verse 12, Therefore many of them believed, also of honorable women, which were Greek, and of men, not a few. But when the Jews at Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither also. And what did they do there? Stirred up the people again. They came almost 50 miles just to cause trouble. I don't know if this was Paul's thorn in the flesh. That everywhere he went, there was always somebody trying to destroy what he did. To rip him apart. All the punishment that he received in his body. And the hurt, the damage that he saw among believers. And he also talks about a guy named Alexander the coppersmith. That did a lot of damage to him, he says. And then all the people that forsook him. All the problems that Paul had just to get the gospel to people. When you think about what you and I have to go through to reach somebody, and sometimes the biggest thing that we have that we want people to do, if God's people give us money, we will get on radio or maybe TV someday, or we try to get kids to camp with scholarships and all that. And the biggest sacrifice most will make is they, they give money. What if you was going to be stoned for what you did? What if they're going to beat you with a cat of nine tails? What if they stripped you and beat you until you're dead? See, we have no clue the price that some people have paid to get the gospel where they went. And yet it does cost. And I say, if this is the one thing that we can do, we're always trying to find what can we do to reach people? What method can we use? And some things will cost us because we want to try to get, you know, camera and we want to do editing and 
you know, all the things that has to be done and get kids to camp. It costs. There's a price to pay. But we're not asking people to lay down your life. We're just talking about, well, can you give us a few dollars to help us? We're not talking about for ourselves, but for the ministry, for, for Jesus' sake. I believe it's worth it. The only reason we're reading about this right now is because it says the church sent them. The church sent them. It means they were responsible for them. They paid for them. That's what's so important about being a missionary. So he makes a statement. They stirred up the people. Verse 14. And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were to the sea. But Silas and Timothy or Timotheus abode there still. They were after Paul. If they could stop him, they could stop the whole thing. That's why when Paul went to a place, he not only wanted to win someone to Christ, he wanted to build someone strong in the Lord. The only reason that in years past that I ever had a Bible college was I know that I may be a soul winner and I can win people to the Lord, but when I die, that's where it stops. So you want to teach and to train others how to do what you're doing so that when that time comes, they'll keep doing that. But people have to be trained. And then you've got to find just that handful that wants something more, wants to do something more, that where it burns inside of them where they can't stand it. And they say, Lord, here am I, send me. I'll do whatever, go wherever, nothing matters. And God will bless you for that. Look up here. In case you don't know what the message was, let me tell you what it was, all right? And if you're watching by internet, this is the most important thing you can ever know. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. Now, we all have sin on us. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world. God loves us. But God hates sin. And the soul that sinneth shall die. So we've all sinned, so we all have to die. And to go to heaven, God says heaven is a perfect place. Well, if you and I went the way we are, it won't stay perfect long. So God says only perfect people get to go to this perfect place. Well, if you have to be perfect to get there, that eliminates all of us. Isn't that easy for people to see? I evidently not. So this hand, you and me, we want to go to heaven. But we have sin. So God won't let us in. So God says that you have to pay for it so you're all condemned. So there's no sense talking about your works. Because how you live isn't going to change the subject. It's not going to change the situation. You see, we're already sinners. We're already going to die. We're already going to be eternally separated. So trying to get a person to stop something or promise something isn't going to change the issue. Your condition is still the same. You're lost. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. Hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, did not have to die. He took all the sin of all the world, paid for it once and for all, 
Because man only dies once, Christ only died once. So he died, paid for all the sin, and says that if you and I would believe he did it for us, he would put this payment to our account, and we get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. I've trusted Christ as my Savior. I know I have eternal life. I know that I'm going to heaven when I die. And I still would like to win as many to the Lord as I possibly can. I was talking to Peter, I think, a couple days ago. I said, you know, I could go out here and just walk up and down the streets and just, just see how many people I could talk to and win to the Lord. And occasionally I, I, I do talk to people. And sometimes I say, you know, I'm wasting my time. Sometimes writing a book. Because it takes so long. Because you want to do it so right. And you know you're going to have to count to the Lord for what you say. And when you say, God said, God better said that. And yet some of those same books that took me a long time to put together have been such a blessing to other people and missionaries and evangelists and preachers that have preached my books. How many have they led to the Lord because of the hours that I spent putting it together? All the time that it took to put the personal evangelism book together. Do you realize that little P.E. book that Dr. Stanford has, has gone around the world? We're selling it here. Scudder has it. It was translated into Arabic and is in India and in Japanese. It's in I don't know how many languages. Spanish gone all over the world the time that it took to write that little book do you think it was well worth it when there's been thousands upon thousands upon thousands that have either trusted Christ as Savior or learned how to give the gospel and it helped them in their Christian life I believe the book that I'm working on right now is such a book can't wait to get it done I don't believe it's going to be a waste of time. But down the road somewhere, there'll be some preacher that'll pick up that book and say, this is what I've been doing. And they're going to correct the problem. This book, I believe, is it's earth-shaking. I'm not talking about like the Bible. I'm talking about the, the context of what's in this book is... It's an awesome story. But anyway, enjoy talking to you tonight. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, or if you're watching by Internet, why not right now in the quietness of this moment, just talk to the Lord. You see, you don't make a mistake this way. Only the Lord knows your thoughts. Just say something to Him simple. Just mentally. God knows. Lord, I'm a sinner. And that's just being honest. We all are. We've all done things wrong. Just say, Lord, I, I'm a sinner, and I believe that when Christ died, he died for me. I believe he paid for my sins. Tonight, I trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm going to trust him to take me to heaven whenever I die. And friend, God said if you would trust him, he would save you. Would you believe it? Trust him right now. If you're here and you've never done so, I'd like to have prayer for you. 
And if you'll trust Christ as your Savior, would you just let me know by an upraised hand? Just raise it up real quick and put it right back down. There you go. Our Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come together to study your word. Bless this church. Father, there's some good people here that love the gospel. They love souls. Help us to be effective. Help us to look for every way, every door, every opportunity whereby we can get the gospel to people. Bless us in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Were you ever told that you must confess Christ before men to be saved? Were you warned that if you refused to confess Christ, He would not confess you before the Father? Just what does that mean? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me